0: You're fucking you're locked in zoning. I vividly remember, man. Uh I was playing linebacker, scout team linebacker, and uh you tried to block me. You're like, make me look good, make me look good. <laughs> you're like, man, just make me look good. And I, was like, and I was like, I got you, baby. I got you. What's up everyone? Welcome back to another episode of the Second Win Podcast. You're here with Jay Mills. And the great one again, as you know, the best two podcast hosts in the in the land. Uh, we just want to say wish you guys a merry merry Christmas and happy holidays, and hopefully you guys have a strong New Year's resolution and have had a great time with your family. Uh, sorry for the long gap in between episodes. We just wanted to give you guys some time to spend time with your family. We felt like that was really more important than, you know, us doing what we're doing, so uh, hopefully you guys are tuning in, and we're back, hitting the road heavy now, so Yeah, thank man. You. Y'all hit my phone, like, when's the next episode? No, when's the next episode? Now y'all hitting the
1: phone. Yeah, man, my phone man. Up. like, the next episode is right now, but here at the second win, we like to, I'm saying, give the, give the viewers the fans, subscribers, time to, you know, kick back
0: and chill with your family a little of course, bit. Like, of course. you know, lay lay off the podcast a little bit. But we back with another fire guest. Fire guest, man. But they ain't hitting your phone, they hitting my phone. His phone dry. <laughs> but uh first of all, we back, man. Uh, with that being said, we have a very special guest, man, someone who I have known for probably since I was about 16 years old, uh, Adam Brennerman. Um, and just to give you a rundown on this amazing individual, um, former number one tight end in the country former five-star recruit, uh, Penn State freshman All-American, two-time UMass All-American as well, former political campaign manager, former tight ends, division one tight ends coach, uh, position coach at Arizona State University. Uh, And now he is a sports broadcaster and also has his own podcast. This man is the jack of all trades, man. I really, uh, really appreciate this brother coming on the show and giving us, um, you know, giving us time to share his story. So, Appreciate you coming Appreciate on the show, you, brother, my man,
2: brother. Dude. You're the guy. Yeah, yeah, you it, do everything. Man, like, you, damn you did it. your research there, Yeah, man. That, that was on, the best man. intro I've ever gotten. Oh my guy. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? We <laughs> a little
1: prepared over here, bro. <laughs> we a little to. prepared. Um, just starting off, just tell us how this past year has been for you, you know, doing everything you're doing. And I just want to give you your flowers because I told you before, you're one of the analysts that actually, you know, you can tell you have passion for the game and you understand the game. You know, there's a lot of people who... Get on TV. There's a lot of beat writers. There's a lot of reporters who have no idea what they're talking yeah. about. And you listen to them and you're like, bro, whose cousin is this? Like who does he know? <laughs> he <sound laughs> like, like, uh, yeah, well. How did they get on TV? <laughs> yeah. But like they don't even know a three tech from like a nine tech. You're right, a guy right. who knows the game and you know it very well. So I want to give you your props and your kudos.
2: I appreciate, it, man. But before I get started, appreciate having me on. You guys are crushing it. As as I told you, like podcast is awesome, guests are awesome, quality's awesome. So excited to be here. Um yeah, I mean, the last year's been nuts. I mean, like, really, I took a big pivot in my life after I left Arizona State and decided to kind of go all in on sports media. Honestly, the motivation was kind of Pat McAfee. And really, the, you remember the deal he got with Fanduel? Oh my god, it was gosh. like a hundred million dollars over five years. I'm like, bro, I can do that stuff. Like, you know? <laughs> right. I was like, and I felt like in college football, like I had this perspective of the game that not many people have, as a five-star recruit, as an All-American at two different schools, transferred was a was a power 5 coach. So like I knew that I knew college football really well and and I didn't think there were a lot of people like posting a lot of content around it. There were great broadcasters, you have Kirk Herbstreit and Joel Klatt, but like who owned college football social media? Like no one owned it. You know, no one was really dominating the space. And I just decided to go all in and started posting content and didn't really, had no clue what I was doing. Like I didn't have TikTok <laughs> on my phone. Had no idea and I I just I ended up like hiring a video editor and a and started shooting content and you know like second video i posted got like three million views and i was like whoa this is it you <laughs> right, know? that's all so it takes addicted to the views <laughs> right, you know yeah, right right so i just started posting content man and and uh it's been like every day since like middle february march of, the, of this year i've posted at least two three times a day on a, across all platforms about college football and it turned into so many opportunities of i've learned one thing like when you have attention on social media opportunities come about that's how espn came about that's how different podcast stuff came about and stuff I'm doing now. So it's been, it's been a wild year. Like just posting on really like posting on TikTok changed my life and a period of like eight, nine months. It's been, it's been fun.
0: A lot of that's just been on your own.
2: Yeah. Yeah, exactly. I mean, it's been, you know, I, I'm now at the point where I have kind of a team around me. I have like a video editor and I have a content manager or else I wouldn't be able to do it all. Right. I can't, I don't time to post four times a day on every platform. (laughs) Um, But yeah, I mean, now that I built a team, it's been great and and been able to kind of like, you know, employ some people and like have have that around me. But most of it was on my own. I mean, when I did this, when I started to go all in on it, I remember talking to my dad and I was like, I'm going to start posting on TikTok. And, you know, he's like, what what do you mean you're going to start posting on TikTok? And I'm (laughs) like, (laughs) "What? yeah, (laughs) right. Everyone talks about like dancing and young kids and like, and, you know, again, I just like went all in and kind of, you know, had to take a bet on myself a little bit. And I'm sure we'll talk about it. But like when I left Arizona State, I wasn't really sure what I was going to do. And this was kind of, it all... Kind of just jumped all in full speed, and it ended up working out.
0: Well, that's fire, man! It's like I said, you are the jack of all trades. <laughs> nah, no, that's fire, man! You started on your own, now you're obviously, like you said, giving your flowers. You're doing your thing. I'm proud of you, bro. Every, sure, I tell right. him every time I open my phone, I see your face yeah, that, every that, time. That, that was the goal, so, bro. The that's goal, a good Every time I open my phone, yeah. it's
2: AB. I say, damn, that dude's killing it.
0: <laughs> right. That's, that's a good thing. And not swiping or <laughs> whatever.
2: <way, bro. laughs> nah, nah. I'm like, nah.
0: You always know I'm showing love. <laughs> um, but uh, to pop it off, man. So um, I'm gonna give you a date. Obviously, you know a date, but March 9th 2012, man, you committed to Penn State in um, a time where, you know, obviously the program was in a lot of turmoil from the sanctions and scholarship reductions and just, you know, everything that was going on surrounding the program. You were the number one tight end in the country, five-star recruit. Why go there when you could have went to anywhere else in the country?
2: Yeah, it's a good question. I, I think people don't really talk about anymore, like where Penn State was at that time. Cause now it's Penn state that's in the Rose bowl and Penn state has nine wins and everyone's pissed about it. You know, it's <laughs> like, why aren't we in the playoff? I mean, I mean, you were there like yep. in 2012, 2013, 2011, like that place was rocked by the NCAA and sanctions. And, uh, it was, it was one of the darkest moments in college football history when, when, when I ended up going to Penn state, you know, it was funny. Like I was, I was recruited by Joe Paterno and his staff. Um, and then, Joe Paterno ended up leaving when the scandal happened, but that was before the sanctions came out. And then Bill O'Brien came and became the head coach. And, you know, I I wasn't going to go to Penn State before O'Brien came. I was going to probably go to like Notre Dame or Maryland or oh, Ohio yeah. State or something, but then O'Brien came and it was, you know, he had just come from the Patriots. He had Rob Gronkowski, <laughs> yep. Tom Brady. And just well, they were from the Super Bowl. Yep, yep. And I was like, bro, this, and it's in my backyard. I grew up a Penn State fan. So I'm like, you know, and now the scandal was still there, but you know, we didn't think that, it was it happened a long time ago before you know anyone that's currently in the program was had anything that was even thought of uh so it was like this ain't gonna affect us so i commit to penn state um and you know it was really all because of bill o'brien but it wasn't until then like that summer when we're all committed it's me christian hackenberg some of those guys, guys in had a 2013 class yeah. and, and then the ncaa came out with those sanctions against penn state and it was like people called it the death penalty i mean you look at you look at the tweets of like some of the, the analysts yeah. back then yeah, they were like bad. Penn State won't field a team for five years they're going to be worse than Temple for the next decade Penn State might as well move to FCS like Division 1 A. like people thought Penn State was done and you know we no one actually thought we would still go to Penn State like I didn't even think I'd still go like it was that that wasn't even like an option in our minds because those sanctions were so bad it was like you know like, we're not Penn State's not going to be be able to have a program you know they they had Scholarship reduction for like four years. <clears throat> I forget the exact sanctions, but lost like twenty scholarships a year. Um, players could transfer right away, which wasn't a thing back then. Oh, yeah. yeah Transfers that's could right. leave and play right away at any right. school, which was like dramatic back then. That wasn't a thing. Right, that was
0: a big deal. Hundred
2: fine, no bowl games for like four years. I mean, it was like it was just as bad, almost as bad as a death penalty, like what yeah. SMU got back in the day. And um, and it, you know, really wasn't it it wasn't until, you know, we went it was funny we we had that whole class like hackenberg and all them and we we ended up talking we were trying to go somewhere else together we were trying to go to florida Oh, we were like who would take all of us oh, you that's know? right we that's... want to stay together but we were like we can't go to penn state because penn not, it's <laughs> over with. Dumb. it's <laughs> done and uh and then it, um we were trying to go to florida we were calling coaches like me garrett sickles we were like hey oh, can, can, he's like can we go to class. south carolina can we go to like where who would take all, all of us and uh it wasn't bill o'brien called us he was he was still the coach he was holding that team together michael Maudey stayed all those guys in that class matt mcgloin bill o'brien called us and said before you make a decision just come talk to me like come meet with me in person and then and then make a decision and uh, we went to penn state and it was like the like the weekend after the sanctions came out and again everyone thinks we're leaving and me that whole class um went to meet with bill o'brien and uh included in that group was like will fuller Remember the, like, yeah. he ended up decommitting. Oh, was yeah, a yeah. Receiver. Yeah, it was a receiver. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he so, committed Penn State? Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, he he, he went with Notre Dame, but oh, he okay. ended up decommitting at that point. But oh, our yes. class that was committed went to go see Bill O'Brien, and he talked to us and was like, you have an opportunity to be part of something bigger than yourself. Like, this isn't about bowl games. This is about, like, saving a community, like, saving this program. And I just remember he always said to us, if you come here, like, they'll, they'll remember you forever at Penn State. If you guys yeah. come here, like, your class will be remembered as the class that helped save Penn State football. And we left that day, and we're, like, we're Let's go to Penn State. And, yeah. Okay. And that was it. He, he was amazing. right. Yeah. He was
1: right. You So you end up going to Penn State, right? You become a freshman All-American. That's, that's a feat that not everyone gets, right? Yeah. So talk to me a little bit about, like, where your confidence level was, like, after that season and what you expected for the future after getting, you know, freshman All-American.
2: Yeah. I mean, I'll say bef- before the season, I remember getting to college and thinking, like, I'm not very good. <laughs> you know, like, really? You know that feeling when you get to when you get to college, like, you know, I was a big time recruit, came in a lot of expectation, and you get there and like I had walked into this tight end room. They had a bunch of great tight ends or mm-hmm. Jesse James was there, Kyle Carter. Remember those guys? Yeah, they got um, dogs. Um and I and you know, I was like, I don't really fit in here, but it was really Bill O'Brien that gave me like the self-confidence to um, you know, to kind of believe that I could play and play as a freshman. And O'Brien did a great job of, you know building me up but also tearing me down at the same time of like mm-hmm. taking my pride down a little bit of like you know no one cares that you were a five-star recruit anymore right. you got like no one in the country cares were you riding were you riding high on that yeah, i mean dude that that's the thing like after when you go through the recruiting process and everyone tells you how great you are for so long it's hard not to believe it you know mm-hmm. mean, you're like like everyone just tells you how great you are everyone, every coach urban Myers calling me and being like man like you're gonna come here like you're gonna be the greatest head in ever in ohio state history like ryan kelly's flying helicopters in your school like it's like man this is and and you come from a school that doesn't have a lot of a lot of recruits like you're the man right and you go to penn state and like you know i again i think o'brien did a good job of like n- humbling me a little bit which i needed uh <laughs> but also like you know giving me the self-confidence of like you can play at this level and like you're really good and um if you do things the right way like you can be a great player and and he did a good job my freshman year of kind of building me up to that i ended up starting i think i started like 8 games my freshman year i didn't you know there were some ups and downs that season i started the first couple games then i got benched and then i went came back in and started the last like 6 or 7 games had three touchdowns on the season um and i walked off that field at penn state we were at wisconsin uh 25 point underdogs on the road 2013 last game of the season we beat wisconsin on the road i had a 70 yard touchdown Christian Ackerberg played lights out. We were flying high. I remember walking off the field with Bill O'Brien after that game. We're walking off the field into the locker room. Bill O'Brien says to me, Man, like, this is the start of a long career for you and I, man. Like, we're going to have so much success together. Like, so proud of you, man. Bill O'Brien never coached another game at Penn State, and I never called another pass at Penn State after after that moment. (laughs) That's crazy. It's just crazy thinking, like, in that moment, how I thought I was going to be. Three and done. Yeah, sure. yeah, out out of of yeah. And boy, was I wrong, man.
0: Because most of the time when you're a freshman All American, you're like, oh, Yeah, I'm I mean, like, two you're feeling more pretty good. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Like, then I'm out. Yeah. <laughs> I'm All American. I'm going to get sophomore All American. And, and then I'm out. Yeah, and then I'm out, get, yeah, and then I'm out of there. Yeah, exactly. you know,
1: that's that's crazy.
0: So for you, um, obviously, you know, that season, your confidence is sky high, right? And it's funny. So um, I did my research, man, and you, you know, you said before that you were heavy into politics, right? And then that sometimes like your roommates, I don't even know, I think your roommates, what, maybe Tommy, but you say your roommates used to make fun of you because you always used to keep up on the politics and, and yeah. the political stuff that's going on in the, in the country. Um, so those three years after your freshman All-American season it's hard for you to stay on the field, on off the field with injuries, right? So what propelled you into politics after that, right? Yeah. And throughout that transition of being a freshman All-American and then those three years of not being on the field, right? Because you transitioned into yeah. that, being a campaign manager for Mike Regan, um, what how, like what propelled you into that? Because I never would have thought
2: I like... I love the research, man. I love it. Oh, come I on, know, man. It. I stay prepared. Go, oh, man, man. <laughs> we come prepared. We come prepared, oh, man. Oh, act like it's, like all it. it's all you, it. though. It wasn't all you, though. It all I wasn't I me mean. doing
1: the research, too, though. He fact-checked we me a couple times. Crash, I mean, like yeah. I had it. I mean, we was doing oh, the research. Bullshit. We ain't not come in here unprepared. we got you. I love it. Well,
2: Yeah, I mean, after that freshman season, during that Wisconsin game I was just talking about, I fell on my left knee. And I tore my PCL on my left knee. Not a major injury, like pretty common in the NFL um, and in college football. It was just kind of take some time off. Well, what happened is Bill O'Brien leaves for the Houston Texans, which is a whole other story for another day. But he gets up and leaves for the NFL, which I was frustrated about, but is what it is. My plan when O'Brien was there was to take the spring off. I wasn't going to practice in the spring. I was just a freshman All-American. I I don't got to practice. I got my spot and and rest my knee. Well, James Franklin comes in to be the head coach at Penn State. And you know, whenever there's a new head coach, like
0: you got, got to, you got you to,
2: you you prove yourself again. Like, they didn't care what I did. Mike is sick. He had just come in at <laughs> tight end. Dog, um, bunch of you know, Kyle Carter's coming back. No. Jesse James is back. Like, you know, there, I got to go compete again. And um, rightfully so. Like nothing. I, I agree. That's how I would do it if I was a head coach too. Go prove yourself. So I practice in the spring. Maybe when I shouldn't have because of my knee, Follow my knee again in spring practice, and. <sighs> That was, that's the, when I fell in spring practice, it was like practice two of spring of 2014 or whatever. That was the injury that ends up for the next four years derailing my career. I chipped a piece of cartilage in my knee um, at the time. Didn't think it was a big deal, but throughout the next two years, um, I had surgery on it. That cartilage just wore away more and more and more. And it's the same knee injury that Greg Oden had when he was in the NBA. Mm. I remember he never played in the NBA. because the Damn. It's the same injury he had. So my knee was like deteriorating and there's no good way to fix cartilage whole long, uh, anatomy lesson, but, but there's no, <laughs> way, good. <laughs> no good way to fix, to fix cartilage in your knee. Uh, so it deteriorated over the next two years to the point where like, man, I, I, I couldn't play. It was, I couldn't train anytime I'd feel good. I'd feel good for two weeks and then my knee would swell up again and it'd be, it'd be done. So I was just like, didn't love football anymore. My knee was shot. Wasn't going to play in the NFL. I got my degree from Penn state. I was like, I'm done. Yeah. Like there's no there's yeah. no reason to keep trying to play. Like I can't. I didn't play for two years. So like after that freshman year, I didn't play for two seasons in a row. I think I played like in one game, and then and then didn't play for two seasons. So I got my degree from Penn State, and I was 20 years old. Didn't really know what I wanted to do. Like I was,
3: mm-hmm. I, I
2: had no clue. I thought I was going to be playing football. So uh, the whole politics thing came about because a, a family friend who I knew, Mike Regan, was running for the state senate in Pennsylvania. Big big campaign, and he was like, "Adam, going to come work for me," and I was like. I guess like I don't know what else I'm gonna do like and I love politics I was like always followed like elections and stuff I just thought it was interesting and I went to work for him as like kind of like his assistant at the beginning and then it kind of I like got moved up into the role and ended up like running his campaign as I was 20 21 years old for six months during that time between Penn State and then when I ended up transferring to UMass that's crazy it was it was a whirlwind of like you know it was a three million dollar race in state senate in Pennsylvania it was a four-way um, race it was I learned a lot man a lot a lot about like people and management and that kind of stuff and but politics is brutal man that's what I was politics about to ask is, you yes, to be like, being,
0: like being in that world like being young and not having a lot of experience like do you ever feel like yo these dudes are trying to rip my head off
2: Yeah. Like, do you ever feel like unqualified a little bit I mean you know when you're, when you're a campaign manager and you're so young like you got people that are like reporting to you that are like 40 you know, <laughs> you know yeah. like a 21 year old and they're like, well, he just got that job because he played at Penn State, <laughs> right. you know. Um, but I think, I don't know, I was always confident in like my ability. I didn't know the most about politics or like how to win the race. But what I could do is manage people. Mm. And I could, you know, deal with the day to day and deal with like the budgeting. And I was in business school. So like I, I could do all that stuff. And like we had other people who did the, the technical, like political stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, but the most important part of that time for me was like I wasn't working out for six months. I literally was just doing campaign work. I was wearing a suit and tie and, and going to work every day, maybe like lifting two days a week, but Jeez. I wasn't doing any, I wasn't running. So what that did is let my knee heal for six months without doing anything. Um, and then that's how I ended up going back to play football. When I thought, you know, it's funny when I left Penn state, I was done with football, man. Like I am never playing football again. Like I'm my careers, you know, I, was, I had such a bitter taste in my mouth about football. Mm-hmm. You know, I was a, such a big recruit. So much like, so much, not just was, not only a big recruit, but a big recruit that everyone in that community knew because we went there at the time we went there, we were like saviors of the program. And like, people were like chanting, I remember walking into Penn State games, dude, like the student section, chanting our names in high school, we're in high school, having the signs, yeah, having signs of us like like, Brenneman and Hackenberg. Like my dad said to me, you know, this is, this is when you had to get a release to transfer still. There wasn't Mm -hmm. the portal. He said, why don't we get your release from Penn State in case you want to go play again, play football. I was like, dad. I'm not playing football. Again. Like I'm done. I'm done playing football. My dad's like, yeah, but I know you. And I think you may want to play football in six months. Mm-hmm. Right. And I was like, dude, I'm not, I'm not playing football. Well, little did I know my dad got my release <laughs> without me knowing All behind your back. Well, it kind of behind my back, but like just had reached out and got my release. I didn't, I was working. So I didn't even care. Six months later, I was like, man, my knee feels pretty good. And then, I, you <laughs> know, connect people, people business. I knew the head coach at UMass, who was Mark Whipple. My high school quarterback, Andrew Ford, had just transferred from, from Virginia Tech to UMass, knew some of the coaches at UMass. And I was like, they started texting me and were like, hey, why don't you uh, come transfer to UMass and play? And I ran some routes. My knee felt good. And I remember going to my dad and, and my family and being like, hey, I want to go to UMass. And they're like, yeah, we got your release. You're good to, you're good to go. <laughs> That's funny, so yeah. it's funny. I, like, they knew what I was, I was going to do. that. Yeah, you're right. and, Parents know but, yeah, you the best, right?
1: Uh, um, so you talk about the knee injury, you know, it was on the level of Greg Oden. It was the same injury yeah. he got. What was your mental state like? Wh- like, what were you thinking mentally when you went through that?
2: Like, um, it, it it wasn't good for sure. It was, it was. You know, I, I don't think that I've really, I've been blessed in my life. I don't think that I've ever been like depressed per se, but it, I certainly wasn't. My self confidence wasn't good. You know, your whole identity is in that sport at yep. the time. And, like, when you when you go through that and you spend the two years of not playing, you almost feel like a worthless scholarship for the team. 100%. I remember, man, like, going to pre- – when I was hurt for those two years at Penn State, my sophomore and junior year, Um, I remember, like, having, so, like, anxiety about going into the football building. Like, I didn't want to be around anybody. Same. Like, it was like – I remember, dude, I remember at one point when I was hurt, I stopped going to team meetings. Just stopped going. I just didn't go, and it was during the season, so like no one would even really notice. I mean, they noticed, but like no one would say anything. I remember one day, Coach Franklin texted me, was like, "I haven't seen you in a week." Like, and, and, but I was going to rehab. I just stopped going to team meetings at like yeah. the, the three PM team meeting. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I just stopped going. Like, Jesus. I just I was just doing my own thing. I was like, man, like this was my like my junior year, two years in a row, of practice. Like, I did not want to be around it, mostly just because you know because of my knee. Like yeah. I just I couldn't do anything, and you feel like you're worthless and. And um, you know, I think too. Looking back on my on my time at Penn State, I was young and immature. I didn't know how to handle the ups and downs of that. And I think when you, I listened to all the praise when it was good, right? Like I listened mm-hmm. to all of it. I was I was yeah. loving it, man. I, I, I was like, man, you're this, the man. You're here. Yeah, I'm like, man. Like this is. I'm a freshman all American. I came and i saved penn state football and me in this recruiting class i led the class and and i was a big recruit like i was like reading my own press clippings like mm-hmm. man, I, would, I remember i remember like searching my name on twitter, twitter? And being like, <laughs> man, people love like people love me man right the problem with that is when you listen when it's really good what do you also do
0: listen, you listen when, it's, when it's
2: really bad yep and when and when the headlines like i remember my hometown newspaper had a picture of me on, on the sideline with a towel on my head and it was like sidelined again Brenneman can't stay on the field and like and then like all you know I remember the articles like well Brenneman never play football again like that stuff impacted me man like way more than it should have um and I think that's I've learned that throughout the time is like you just can't listen to it at all (laughs) you know because if you listen when it's good you listen when it's bad and you got to be able to stay like when you listen to the noise and outside noise you get in these like peaks and valleys man of like and it's been, you know, that's been like a something that I think I've gotten better at. I still listen sometimes, like I ain't gonna lie, like, but I try not to get as high and low. And I've gotten way better at, like, you know, because then when I had to retire from football, my knee came back a second time and bit me, which I knew it was going to at some point. Like when I went to UMass, and we did not even talked about that yet, but when I had to retire a second time right before the NFL, like it didn't, it didn't hit me as hard as it did when I had to leave. Penn State. Like it, I was ready for it, and I didn't care because I was self confident and. Mm-hmm knew what I wanted to do in life and, and knew that there was more that I had more to give than just football. But yeah, it was definitely, it, it's when I look back at that time at Penn State, I was young and I, and I, you know, I didn't handle maybe like the praise and stuff as well as I could have. And it impacted me when all the bad stuff happened.
0: It's funny. I remember I have so many vivid Brenneman moments, but <laughs> I remember, you know, you were a senior when I was a freshman. Uh, I was on scout team. I was redshirted. And I remember we played Ohio State That was when they had Zeke. That's when they had all black uniforms. I'm pretty sure. Yeah, my freshman year. Bosa. Yeah, Bosa, all those guys. And you were maybe going to get some reps or in the rotation going to play, right? So you're fucking, you're... Just locked in, zoning. I vividly remember, man. Uh, I was playing linebacker, scout team linebacker, and uh, you tried to block me. You're like, make me look good, make me look good.
3: <laughs> <laughs> You're like, man, just make me look good. And I was like, yeah. I was like, I got you, baby, I got you.
0: <laughs> like, you was trying to get on the field. I'm like, damn, bro. Like, his mental, like, at that time, you know, Mike was, you yeah. know, they they were pushing Mike, and obviously, Mike is doing his thing now. It was it had a great career at Penn State, but you know, um, I think Kyle Carter was still on the team, but you were trying against that, you know, that rotation and uh, bouncing back from that knee injury. I just remember, I'm like, damn, like. You know, AB's mental probably wasn't the the best best. (laughs) at that time, you know, to the point where you just got to be like, yo, chill, just make me look good. Like, I get, like, I understand that. Like, it's crazy. That was, I had to share that story because it's, it's you know, I kind
2: of remember that a little bit. So that, so that week was my second year, my second year of missing all the time. And what happened that week, funny story is like Kyle Carter got hurt. Yes. That was when I wasn't playing at all. Like, I was like out, like on the injury report, like out for the season. And, because my knee was so shot. But like, again, I could do things in spurts. So I could like go play for like three days. But then I like my knee would swell up and I couldn't do anything. So what happened that week? I remember John Donovan, the OC, came like called me because I'm I remember, i was not even showing up to anything. I didn't know the I didn't know the plays. <laughs> yeah, nothing. I remember. I, I remember. Done, I, remember I was done. And uh, John Donovan, the OC, calls me. He's like, "Hey, could you play this week if we needed to play?" I was like, "I mean, probably. Like, <laughs> I mean, I could play for a week." Mm-hmm. And uh, he's like, "Come, come practice, Marcia. Dude. And I talked to the trainers and the doctor, and they're like, "Yeah, try to play." And I played Ohio State week. I I started that game. Yeah. I started. What i saying. State. Yeah. That's what I'm saying. Yeah, I didn't have any catches, but I started. Played like 25 snaps against Ohio State, and then like then I was done for the rest of the year <laughs> so
0: so you know obviously fast forwarding to umass right and you making that decision right so those two years you transferred to umass obviously man resurrected your career mm-hmm. um you know two-time all-american led the nation as a tight end receptions to yeah. both years in a row john Mackey award finalist you know what i'm saying bro you were doing your thing so snapping, snapping bro so how Like when you look back, like how important was that decision to transfer from Penn State and go to UMass? Like when you look back on your career, like damn, like that was very pivotal for me.
2: Yeah, I think it was huge. I mean, like I said, when I left Penn State, I had such a bad taste in my mouth about my career because there was so much expectation. uh, But again, like whose expectation? The outside expectation. There was so much expectation for me to have this great career at Penn State. I didn't have it. I felt like a bust. I felt like, you know, I was a five-star recruit. I didn't never lived up to it. Um that after that six months of, of like taking some time off and going to UMass, like the great thing about my time at UMass. And even though I never played in the NFL after that, when everyone thought I would, it gave me a sense of accomplishment and pride in my football career. Again, that I lived up to what I thought I should be. Like when I was going in my last year at UMass, um, I remember I did a bleacher report came and did a story on me when I was going to my second year at UMass and kind of the ups and downs and stuff. Now, I remember doing an interview. I have this vivid memory sitting in the UMass football, uh, like, uh, like training table area. I'm doing an interview with Ble- Bleacher Report. And the, and I remember the guy said, he's like, it's crazy to think about, but going into your last year, like you're exactly where people thought you'd be. Like you're a returning All-American in college football who just led the country in receiving. And I was like, wow, that's like, I guess yeah. I am <laughs> not, not at the school I thought I'd be at, but <laughs> right. but like, and it was, it's true. Like I got to live up and prove that like I, I was a great college football player, and I was, you know, I'm one of the most productive tight ends in recent college football history. I had hundreds, two hundred catches in college football. Like, that's really unheard of as a tight end. Now, I never played in the NFL, and like that still bothers me to this day. But I'm at peace with it because I'm at peace with my football career because I literally gave everything I had. My knee didn't didn't my knee fell apart on me, but I got to prove to myself more than anything else that I could do it and that I was good enough to play at the highest level. And that's all you can really ask for. But that's what that's what gave me. I don't have any of those regrets in my football career anymore. I don't have that thought of like, man, I just had a what a bad college football career I had. Like if I would have gotten if I wouldn't have gotten hurt, this would have happened. This would have happened. I got to, you know, I got to live, you know, a dream that few people get to live. I was an All-American in college football. It's like, amazing, not bro, yeah. How many people could say that? Yeah. Yeah. So like, I, ha- I don't have that like that, you know, terrible feeling about my football career anymore, even though some people probably think I do because of the NFL not working out. But that's just a, you know. Part of the you gotta deal with the cards you're dealt, man. Sure.
1: Right. So um, so after those two seasons at UMass, you know, you're going crazy, you're snapping, um, you know, senior bowl participant, you know, you're an all American, you're a potential first rounder. March thirteenth, twenty eighteen, you retire from football. What like what was your thought process during that? How hard was that for you? Like not going to the NFL when everyone thought you were gonna go, but you knew that you weren't because of your knee. How like how hard was that for you to retire?
2: I knew that I wouldn't have a long productive NFL career. I still thought there was maybe a chance I could go. Mm-hmm. Uh but I knew because of the nature of my knee injury that it was it my knee wasn't good, especially after my last season at UMass. It did my knee deteriorated a lot in that last year. Um it actually felt pretty good in the offseason between my last two year, my my two seasons at UMass, but after my last year I knew my knee was wasn't good. Um it's funny I actually thought maybe I had like done something else to my knee because it hurts so bad during yeah. my last year. So, but I was kind of just playing through it. Scouts were coming in. Like, no one knew how bad. My, it was the biggest kept secret at UMass. Yeah, yeah Mark I heard. heard yeah. Miss Jen, our trainers. Miss like, oh, Adam, has, Adam has never been healthier. Right. <laughs> I wasn't practicing That's at love, all. though. When scouts would come, I'd, like, go and, like, and they'd be like, oh, Adam's taking a, you know, we're just giving him some time off, you know, you know, because I wouldn't practice. Yeah. Like, oh, we're just, you know, he's our, he's our best player. We're just resting his body for him. But he's, he's healthy. Man, we show so, up on game days and just ball. Yeah, just the so, so, they showed you love. They weren't snitching no, they, on you. They did. Mark Whipple like our head coach umass like changed my life with that whole two years at umass but i uh we were keeping this like secret of how bad my knee was right after the season i got an mri on my knee because i was like let's go see like hopefully i was hoping that like the cartilage issue wasn't what was wrong what i told you about earlier Mm -hmm. and i was hoping that like maybe i just tore my meniscus and they could just fix it up and i'd be fine yep but i got an an mri and it turned out that the cartilage i was missing in my knee went from like a centimeter to like an inch yeah. Missing in my knee, and that's bone on bone now, my knee. Yeah. So I went to go train. I, I was training at this. I signed with an agent. You know, again, everyone's like, no one really knows, and I'm kind of me and my family know that my knee's bad. That's really it. And then like Mark Whipple, head coach, I try sign with an agent, go to have a training facility, have a marketing agent, like whole ordeal. I signed training card deals. Yeah. Yep, no, like saying I'm getting drafted. Um, I go to I I do the I go to train, and I'm thinking like take up take a couple weeks off, and then like I'll be ready to train. First day of training, you do baseline testing. Like you train, like yep. you you run a forty, you do vertical. Vert. We got in. I, I was at the training facility, place called Spooky Nook in Pennsylvania, it's where I, where I did my draft training at. There were a few other guys there, getting getting my uh to to test forty yard dash to get a baseline forty yard dash. <laughs> I get in my stance, and I'm like, I haven't like opened up and sprinted since like the last game of the this year. year. yeah. I get in my stance, and uh and I start to run my forty, and like. Three steps in I'm like limping in my 40 and I, I'm like all right let me let me do that our trainer my trainer's like bro just run what do you mean just run <laughs> do it again like get my stance test the 40 I'm limp like can't run dude like literally can't open up and run That's crazy. And, and I'm like and my trainer's like why, why why can't you run like just run it's like but it was my knee dude I couldn't I couldn't run on my knee it was I was missing cartilage in my knee it was literally like bone on bone in uh, my knee every step I took so man. The pain was just, like, making me, like, like, hobble in my sprinting. So, long story short, like, we had to, like, change our training plan. It was now, like, okay, can we rest them for another month, like, not test at the Combine or the Pro Day and just, like. But then I had the Senior Bowl invite. And I remember saying to my agent, um, and the, here's the worst part. Went, going to the Senior Bowl, Bill O'Brien was the coach in the Senior Bowl who yeah. I played for, which, yeah. which is a great story. They put me on his team. Adam Brenneman is going to reunite with Bill O'Brien at the mm-hmm. Senior Bowl. But it was terrible because I, I couldn't I, I I couldn't run. And mm. I was trying to keep this secret from every NFL team. Because if an NFL team heard I couldn't run, no one would have touched It's me. over with, it's yeah. Over with. So I remember saying talking to my agent, a guy named Casey Muir with Octagon. I remember talking to him like, Can I just like say I got the flu and can't go to the senior bowl? like I I 'cause I can't yeah, go to the senior damn, bowl. That's crazy. I can't practice. Yeah. Like, what am I gonna do? And he's like, Bro, if you like if you back out of the senior bowl, like everyone's gonna know your knees messed up. <laughs> So it's just, dude, it was like a nightmare. We we ended up, I go to the senior bowl. Bill O'Brien's the coach. It was great to see him and great to be. And he's like, we're gonna, you're gonna ball out this week. Uh, we, and he's talking to me like, we love, we loved your film this season. Like, um, and the way I got through the season was I was getting toward all shots. Yeah. In my, every every day before the game, Sunday, boom, in,
3: that's your, the, butt, in that's, your in that's your, the in reality. my right butt cheek.
2: Big, big needle goes right in there with the toward all shot so i could play yeah but you can't that's it's so bad for you. you can't get that to train every right? day no. so senior bowl comes and that was a disaster i ended up like going out there oh this is a story for you i ended up going out to the senior bowl and we had a plan of like what i was going to do because i couldn't run mm-hmm. first first uh routes on air session i go up i kind of hobble through a flat route you know run it looks good and then the seam route came and uh the plan was first seam route i run at the senior bowl you're gonna pull a hamstring
3: so oh, i go shit. out to the
2: senior bowl and because I, I couldn't I, I couldn't practice like and, and we couldn't tell him it was my knee i go out take like three steps on a on a seam route and ah hammy
3: really Oh, <laughs> nice. off,
2: they put ice on it headline Brennanman out of the senior bowl with the hamstring pool and Beautiful. then and uh yeah, so then I so that just gave us more time to figure out what to do about my knee. Right, but dude, like no, I mean no one knows that. I literally faked a <laughs> <before> the <laughs> hamstring. Crazy, but bro, It's like that's imagine my mental state during that's that. That's i was like, dude, I was, like, I'm like, this is ridiculous. This dude. is like, ridiculous. We're just I can't. lying to everyone about my knee. But like again, I'm just trying. The, really, the thought process was, can you get on a team and then have them try to fix your knee and get paid while they're doing it? Smart mm-hmm. man, you know. Yeah, but what ended up happening is I ended up like flying all over the country to see doctors. You know, my dad. Uh, invested a lot of money in me in that time it was taking my over to country to see like dr andrews in florida and a bunch of cartilage specialists and we saw a bunch of doctors and it was kind of like listen like we can fix your knee for like everyday life but like not to play not to play in the nfl oh, and it, the reality was like i was gonna fail physicals i was gonna you know i wasn't gonna pass anything i was gonna so there wasn't even really a choice it was like
3: yeah i don't
2: right? know I, there was nothing else to do it was kind of <laughs> like i just got to retire from football but again by that point we exhausted every, every option Every option, You did everything we every, could do there but yeah it was a definitely a roller coaster man of of uh, you know the ups and downs of like you know thinking i was going go to go the NFL and then not and then the knee injury but the good part is like i always knew that i was more than just football. Like same mm-hmm. thing like with you guys. Yeah. Like, I always knew there was more to life for me than just play football which some guys like they don't feel that way which mm-hmm. i i have empathy towards that cuz like if all i had was football man i'd be done i'd be done A, a lot that of guys feel like they come and you know? play football. Yeah.
1: That's dope, though, that you
2: you had that thought process. Like, like you said, a lot of guys don't have yeah. that, you know? Well, I used to, I I, re- I remember, I don't know who said this, but someone at some point, some football player said it, and I always remember this. I want to say it was, like, Tim Tebow or someone, was, like, said, football is what I do. It's not who I am. And I always, like, even nowadays, like I'm still in football doing, like, media stuff. Like, I always view myself as more than just football. Like, that's what I do. That's how I make money. That's what I talk about. But I can also go do a million other things, and like I, I've always tried to like live that, and like realize that like football is not who you are, or what you're defined by, um, and just kind of keep that at the top of my head throughout my entire career.
0: So, um, that's a great point as well. That's a great quote because a lot of people should think like that. Yeah. But you know, Shorts is very interesting, man. Like I said, you're a jack of all trades, and you know, I've known you for so long and followed your story, and just the the journey you've been on is just insane. So after that you know, transitioning, you're like, you know, let me go coach. So you decide to go be a GA um, at Arizona State University under Herm Edwards, Mm -hmm. a great football coach. um, (laughs) One of the great football historians, you you know, he's done a lot for the game of football um, as a head coach. So you GA'd and then that next year, which is unheard of, you're a positions coach. You know what I'm saying? You're a tight end position coach at uh, at a power five, FBS, School actively recruiting, being a position coach like that's one hard to do in itself. Now you know how the GA process is you three years, three four years of GA. Then you know low level job, but like bro, you hop right into the ranks. Like how was it being in that culture and coaching under someone like Herm Edwards, who's highly touted and respected in the coaching industry?
2: Yeah, I mean, really, when I when I stopped playing at UMass, I like I didn't know exactly what I wanted to do, and I felt like you I feel like a lot of, a lot of, um, successful people at some point had this issue where I felt like I could do a lot of different things. And I didn't know, like, I'm sure you guys had moments where like, you're like, what do I, do I want to go? Do I want to go into management? Do I want to yep. be uh and be in finance? Do I want to be a, uh, you know, like, what What do you want to do? Mm-hmm. And I felt like I had all these different options, right? Like, do I want to, like, I really want to be a head coach someday. That like, that's what I I was like, that's what I want to do. Well, then it was like, well, I really want to be a CEO of a business. Well, I really want to be on TV. Like <laughs> you know, right. I couldn't decide what I wanted to do. So I, uh, I, you know, it's funny, I was like debating if I wanted to get into coaching, I went to go see James Franklin, Coach Franklin at Penn State, I had texted him I was like, Hey, I think I want to coach and I would love to get your advice on it. And I went to go talk to him. And, uh, and I was telling him this, I was like, Coach Franklin, like, I don't know what I want to do. Like, I feel like I could be good at a bunch of different things. And And he was like, that's not like a, that's not like a problem only you have. He's like, every successful person could be good at a million different things. And I was like, I guess it's a good point. And Franklin was like, I could have been a CEO. I could have been, you know, but I decided to be a coach. He's like, you just have to decide what you want to do. Um, And it changed my perspective because I was like, everyone's got to make that decision. (laughs) I was like, oh, I'm really struggling with this, but (laughs) everyone has to. But you know, I decided like I was like, I want to go try coaching. And the the drive of it was like I could see myself being a head coach someday. It was like I could I could see myself doing what Bill O'Brien and James Franklin and Mark Whipple and I'd been around some great coaches that like changed my life that I wanted to see if I could do that. So, but getting in the door is hard in coaching. Yeah, like you gotta so like hard. especially if they get in at the power five level. <laughs> um, but at that point it was like now's the time to do it. I was 24 years old. It was like I had all these experiences, but like I gotta get in the door. So long story short, like People business, like I got a, had a connection. My strength coach at you oh, Joe Conley. I wasn't
0: there for Conley but, oh, you heard, know Joe Conley. but I heard about your squats. Yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah. Big uh, squat Fridays. Well, I heard about uh, it. But he was at Penn State. Too. Squat yeah, Friday. Bro. Big Squat Friday, bro. This was dude was sounds insane,
2: crazy. All dude. Bro. We, we, we see a lot. But that, that's my guy though, Joe Conley. He was great, but he was all he's also nuts, but love him to death. <laughs> <Nuts>. um, <laughs> he he was the strength coach at Arizona State now. Yep he was like walking through the, and I, and I had reached out to him and been like, Hey, I think I want to coach. Yeah. But like hadn't heard from him in a month. And that was really it. And then he like was walking through the hallways at ASU and they were like, we really need a GA that could coach tight ends. And he was like, I got a guy for you. <laughs> <laughs> he calls me. He's like, do you still want to coach? And I was like, yeah, I guess I haven't really thought about it. Cause I couldn't get any opportunities. Like Franklin was like, we don't have anything at Penn state. Like you got to like go find, you know, I'll help you find something else. And, uh, I was like, yeah, I, I, I still want to coach. And then next thing you know, the OC at, at ASU calls me and interviews me. Herm calls me. And I, I played for Herm in the Under Armour, Under Armour American. Oh, yeah, that's game. right. He did. Used so to coach that. So I knew him that. from that uh, a little bit, but he barely remembered me probably. I mean, I was one of 50 players on that team mm-hmm. from like six years ago. <laughs> yeah. um, and they hired me at ASU. And I literally like, this was like a Thursday he calls me. On Monday I lived in Arizona. I mean, it was, yeah, was yes. the blink of an eye. Yeah, and I just went out quick. there and started coaching. But it was and coaching's brutal. Like it like yeah. you're you're working six AM, five AM yeah. to midnight every freaking night. Um, but it was awesome because you know, I did I was a GA during COVID, so it was like a really weird time yeah. to be a GA. That
0: 2020, yeah, twenty twenty. We only
2: played like three, four games, and then literally that off season, the tight ends coach got fired at ASU and um they they interviewed me for it along with like three other guys, and then I'll never forget like one of the coolest days ever was you know, and when you're in that position, like you I desperately wanted to get that job. Because yeah. I was gonna be the youngest in the country. In the country. I was yeah. 25 years old, gonna be making like real money as a power five a tight ends coach. I remember I was in the I was in the weight room working out one morning. I had just interviewed like two days ago, and Herm Edwards comes over and he's like, Come see me in my office. And you know how Herm talks.
3: Mm-hmm.
2: He's like, Hi, what's up, baby? What's up, baby? Come see in my office. All right, come see in my office. <laughs> like, all right, all right, coach. So I go and see him like an hour later in his office, and he's like, You're gonna be our tight ends coach. You can be the tenants coach, and he's like, "Congratulations, young guy!" And like, and he's like, walks away. I was oh, like, that's amazing! I was he just like, does a simple line. like, like it's no big yeah. deal. I was like, Let's go, man! I remember, oh, like, I remember like calling my parents and my family and like letting everyone know. And uh, yeah, it was cool, man. That was that was a uh, that was a cool moment to like, you know, because at that point too, in again feeling like you're like getting towards the top, and then and then it, yeah, and then then nothing yeah. else happened. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But, yeah, I I really I really enjoy coaching. I learned a lot about football through that, too. Like, you don't realize how much you don't know about football when you're playing. Yeah. Like, I didn't know ball when I was – I mean, I knew it, but, like
0: – From a different from a coach's oh man, perspective. like, the,
2: just everything that goes into it, like, why we call certain plays and the schemes and – Concepts of how with Recruiting. I mean, recruiting is what it's all about. Like, that's why I got promoted. Yeah. Because it wasn't because I knew football better than everybody else. It was because I could recruit and relate yeah, to relate. all the players and be in different environments and be with different people from different cultures and, like – with everybody and that, yep. that's why when when her like when we eventually talked about it that's what he said he's like you i trust you being with our players and like leading them more than i trust everybody else and mm-hmm. it wasn't because of it wasn't because i was gonna be the best drawn up plays you know it was Fire. because of being able to relate to people
1: yeah, yeah. Fire, can you sign guys that's the business yeah, exactly that's it's a, the it's business. talent. yeah so your story is crazy right when you look at your current situation, you know, being an analyst, having a podcast, really being in like your second win, but like really your like fifth win. a What is your favorite part about, you know, what you do now?
2: Yeah, it's a, it's a good question. Um, I think the cool part about what I do now is number one, it like feeds my I've always had like an entrepreneurial mindset of like mm-hmm. I like to do a lot of different things and it allows me to do that right now doing the media, doing the content, doing the TV, doing the yep. somebody with Mercury, doing the all that different stuff. It feeds that for me. And, and there's always something to do. Like when you're building something from the ground up, like you're building your, like when you guys build your podcast, like there's always something you can be doing. Prepping for interviews, getting getting content ready, like planning, like you can always be grinding. And, and it's really, it's given me that like fulfillment of like building something from the ground up and being being part of that. I think, uh, and, and too, like it's cool to kind of see it all cultivating right now and coming together I think like you said I've had so many different second and third or fourth wins like you know I, I did a I did a story at um pen live which is like a newspaper from yeah, right they, yep, yep. they did they did an article on me recently and they said something in it that was really interesting when I was reading it um they uh it said something like every time Adam brenneman has been close to the pinnacle he's been he's gotten knocked down and I was like yeah like that's true like you know I was close to the i was at penn state was almost the best head in the country penn state well got knocked down almost in the nfl got knocked down youngest power five head or youngest power five coach in the country got knocked down asu scandal happens and 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 i resign but the reality is also that i've lived and had fulfilled dreams that like people only can dream of I was a power five i was a power five assistant coach i was an all-american like it's just almost how you look at it right like yes, I've gotten knocked down, but now I really feel like I found kind of like a, a niche or like what I'm good at and what brings it all together. And it it kind of, I think everything I've been through the the journey of, you know, getting hurt, not playing the NFL, the successes I've had, the stuff that happened at ASU, like it has brought me to this moment to, to begin my media career and to go all in on it. And like, there's no choice but to succeed. You know, like I, I literally... Sometimes people say to me or sometimes I think like, you know, I work so hard and want to be great at other things because I'm feeling a void of not playing in the NFL. Uh, yeah, but like the reality is like that's that. probably true. Mm-hmm. Like it is. I am feeling a void of not playing in the NFL. Like I never got to play in the NFL. I didn't make 10 million dollars a year. I didn't and and a lot of my friends did. And a lot of um, you know, a, a lot of a lot of me feels like i could have if i wasn't hurt but like that's why i work so hard at other stuff i do that's why i want to be great that's why i want to be the face of college football media yes, because sir. i because yep. fe- i have that drive of like i never made it to the level that i thought i could playing so you know it is it feeling a void maybe but like i'm okay with that like, like that's <laughs> what i you know i'm i that's where that drive comes from when you have that that where you don't reach what you want to like it just pushes you to be great at the next thing. That's yeah, fire, bro. It makes
1: you, like, makes you, like, obsessed with it. Yeah. Right? No uh, like, prove yourself right.
2: Yeah, no, exactly. Like you, did, you gotta like, prove yourself right. And, yeah. and it's, you're proving it to yourself more than anything else. Is it a little bit to the outside world? Like, maybe. Like, you know, that drives everybody, but, like, really, it's to yourself. It's right. like, you know, I, I, I know that I can be great and and... You know, I'm not going to stop until it happens. Because if I don't, you feel like you let yourself down, right? You're like, yeah, oh, I never, sure. you never want to be laying on your deathbed being like, "I didn't reach my potential." Yeah, you know, I, I didn't go been hard So enough. much greater than I was. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Right. You know? it's
1: like you can't just be interested. Like I told, yeah. I texted Jarvis oh, the I other day. A great line. I yeah. said, uh, "What? What was it? Like you interested people? Interested yeah. people watch obsessed people change the world. That, yeah. So like, you can't just be interested. You have to be yeah. obsessed with it. Like Tim Grover talked about. Like Kobe talked yeah. about. Like the people he's been around and how they're all obsessed. He was like, Kobe wasn't just interested in winning a championship. Like Mm -hmm. Serena Williams, Michael, like Michael Jordan, Michael Jackson, Kanye, Jay-Z, Beyonce. Like these people aren't just like interested in being the best. Like Mark Zuckerberg, like Jack Muller's like people that I know, like, they're not just like, oh yeah, I just want to do this just to do this. They're like literally every second that they're alive or they're, they're awake, yeah. they're thinking yeah. about being the best, and yeah. like that's how you have to be if you want to be successful yeah. at anything. Right. You and know? speaking
2: of like great quotes, like that's a great one. The whole interest of people watch, obsessed yeah. people change the world. The one that, and I think it applies like all of our lives and different like your football stuff. I've learned that you ever hear the story of the Chinese farmer? Have you heard that? Where it's it's I forget the whole story, but the 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 the, the gist of it is there's a Chinese farmer who um, who, you know, has like a horse farm or whatever and his horse runs away and doesn't have his horse anymore. And everyone's like, Oh, that's, that's terrible. I'm so sorry to hear that. Like that, that's the worst thing ever. And he says, well, maybe I'm like, is it? And then seven wild horses come and like, he gets all these horses back and they're like, Oh, that's so great. Glad you're ho- glad you got new horses. He's like, so that's so awesome. And he's like, well, maybe. And then he. The, the, the horses that come, like, one breaks its leg and he falls off it. And everyone's like, oh, I'm so sorry to hear that. Like, that's terrible. And he says, well, maybe. And it goes on and on. And the point is that you don't really know if what's happening to you is good or bad until you see how it impacts the rest of your life. Yep. Like, you don't really know. Like, at the end of the day, like, what happened to me at ASU, like, probably could have been a good thing because it propelled me into this rest of my life. In the moment, it felt like it was terrible, but it propelled me into this, not playing in the NFL. Maybe it saved me from having a neck injury that I didn't know about, mm-hmm. and like it looks bad in the moment or it looks good in the moment, but you don't really know, and exactly. I just love that 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 story and uh, of of the Chinese farmer because it's true like you like when something good or bad happens, well maybe like we don't really know if it's good or bad until right. you see how it's gonna impact your life
0: hundred percent um uh I'm gonna play a game with you man oh i love it. um i'm I'm gonna play a game with you um I'm gonna have a list of names uh places uh one place but i want you to tell me what those specific things mean to you so when when those names first pop into your head how does that impact you how do you feel okay so i'm gonna go down the list okay um cedar cliff high school
2: Hmm. uh man i love cedar cliff and that place that was where i was when you know my life changed with the football stuff like when with um being a recruit having all the attention on you like and and there probably isn't any place that molded my life more than more than Cedar Cliff and like that community and those fans did around around you know when I was growing up through that whole you know and it was cool to take them through that journey with me of being a recruit you know right. you, to bring that whole community with you but I love Cedar Cliff man that's my that's my spot.
0: Christian Hackenberg.
2: Uh, he was my best friend during that during that whole time man. If it wasn't for Christian Hackenberg, we wouldn't have stayed committed to Penn State. You know we if if Christian Ackerberg would have left Penn State at that time, a lot of people would have left and he he really he really a lot of people say like Christian and Adam, it was really Christian Christian held that place together
3: my guy
0: Penn State
2: i man, of everything that I've done in the different parts of my life, I still say that the thing I'm most proud of is what we did at Penn State, and staying committed to that place. And there, if there's been one constant in my life, it's been Penn State, man. Like, even when I transferred and left, even when I, like, the Penn State community has been, like, supportive of me in every single thing I've done. I still, to this day, like, go back man, to games yeah. and fans still come up to me and, like, thank you for what you did for Penn State. I mean, that place is, uh, that place is special. It's, no,
0: it's like a zoo.
2: <laughs> it really it's is. It's like man. a cult. I love that place.
0: <laughs> Bill O'Brien.
2: I mean, the reason I went to Penn State. I often think about how different my career would have been if he if he would have stayed at Penn State. But he did what's best for his family and went to the NFL and I don't blame him for it. But um I wish I would have had the chance to continue playing for him in, in college.
3: Uh
0: next one's kinda interesting because I just know you guys were so close. Um and I just wanted to see what you say. Mike is sicky.
2: I love Mike, man. Like one of my one of my closest friends. Um he you know it's funny too like how all these people impact your life like you know mike came mike coming to penn state you know and really probably like pushed for the end of my penn state career faster than it would have without it because he was so good so good yeah. and so talented um but at the same time we were best friends and mike and i went through some some shit together now mike was going through that year where he was not playing very well when i was going through the same year and we were roommates mm, yeah I remember. And I remember the time when mike was down bad too and like we were there together during that time of like man like Football sucks. Like, <laughs> yeah. know, like, he wasn't playing well. I was I couldn't play. And um, but Mike means a lot to me, man. He's he's uh he's a special dude, man. Like anyone who's around Mike, like he has Mike's an Mike's energy a guy, that just man. like radiates everything. Uh, did I mean, you he's... teach him how to gritty? <laughs> nah, Mike, yeah. yeah, Mike will work on that you. gritty. We yeah, on that, a little bit, yeah that was a little, little tricky That shit
0: yeah. was atrocious, yeah. brother. I but it, it,
2: when lie. you know Mike, like <laughs> that just,
3: that's
2: him. So I remember Mike, it was right after a game. This Mike has it contagious confidence dude like yes, his he confidence is yeah when he, he was playing that he, that season he was playing really bad mm-hmm. dropping a bunch of passes and stuff i remember the night it was halloween night and he had just dropped like four passes in the game and everyone was coming at him on twitter and stuff the halloween costume he wore a superman cape with an s on his chest with no <laughs> shirt to the frats and i'm yes, like, I remember. bro that takes extreme confidence like you <laughs> right. might not care what anyone thinks about you but
0: um the next name um someone first comes to your mind and how they have impacted you, Mark Whipple. I
2: mean, he impacted me a lot, dude. I mean, he gave me a chance at UMass when I had just retired from football, took six months off, my knee was shot, and he called me and said, we got a spot for you. And and not only that, told me, we're going to throw you the ball 100 times a season, and he didn't lie. Big Whipple big whip <laughs> was dialing that told shit me, up. Man, he told me, he 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 Because tra- again, if it wasn't for that time at UMass, I'd have a much different taste in my mouth about my football career. And uh, and not only that, he's been a part of my life every, every moment since then. Like coaching, he helped me out. When I got the job at Arizona State, he has a vacation house in Arizona. Stayed at a vacation house for a month and a half. Just
3: oh, was, that's fine. So
2: he, he's been a big part of, of my life and his family. Like uh, Brenda's wife and Austin and Spencer's sons. Austin was my roommate at Penn State. Awesome family. Just big, big part of, of everything that, that's happened in my life.
0: And last but not least, Herm Edwards.
2: Herm, man, Herm gave me an opportunity when, you know, when I needed one. He made me, uh, made me, made me his GA when I'm sure a lot of people in the country wanted that job (laughs) and then promoted me when I was 24, 25 years old. And, uh, and he's impacted my life a lot. And I think, I think that, you know, that, that chapter is still getting written of like, of how that ends. But, um, but, you know, I'll always be thankful to him for the opportunity he gave me when when he didn't have to, and he sure. and he, um, you know, took a chance on me two times when when I wasn't expecting him to. Yeah.
1: All right, man, it's the new year, twenty twenty three, right? What can we expect from Adam
2: Brenneman? Oh boy, man, I'm just I'm just gonna keep building. You can expect every time you open your phone and hopefully see my content. I yeah, mean, yeah. you're doing yeah. something <laughs> right. You're see my content. I think, man. Uh, I mean. I, I mean You know my my like north star in this media game is like i i want you know when i started it was like when i wrote down my goal on a piece of paper when i was coming up with my plan it was like to be gen z's college football personality like Mm. when gen z thinks about college football i want them to think about me and you know because like they don't watch cable television you know Mm -hmm. i want them to think about me on tiktok and or in social media and all that stuff and i think i'm on the path to being there um but I want to, like, keep diving towards that, like, keep producing great content, um, keep building my own brand. And, and uh, you know, with the North Star of, like, at some point, taking off that Gen Z tag and then just being one of the faces of college football. Like, that's what I, I think. There's great personalities. A lot of them are older. Are, you know, the Kirk Herbstreits, Joel Klatz. Like, you know, there aren't a lot of young guys who are in their 20s that are, like, you know, doing the doing the college football media game and doing it uh, at a high level. there's some guys like Jake Butts one of my buddies who played at Michigan doing doing a great job. Devin Gardner's crushing it, but um I think I think I can get there. I think that it's 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 if I keep executing the way that I am now um that's my goal and to keep you know as I was telling you you earlier Jarvis, I think all the different stuff I do, the podcast, the stuff like this the my personal content, my broadcasting building mercury and like all that stuff it all goes hand in hand and i I want to do all of it at the highest level and um i think it all could you know come together and and get me to that point of you know to be in at some point like the Kirk curb streets and that yeah in that world of like you know that that's my goal and it may sound crazy, like it may sound audacious when i say it but like what's the point of doing it if you're not going to have big goals, right? Up, that 100 M's is on the yeah. way. <laughs> hey, it's Pat coming, Max brother. 100 M's is coming, on the brother. way, man. Coming, you got to speak it into existence, man. Goal, man. Um,
0: But, you know, like I was telling you before, um, Adam, you know, the special thing about this podcast, you know, when people tune in, we want people to learn something, right? Um, and just get something from this podcast and these great people that we have on like yourself and your stories and it's just so impactful, bro. But you know, I gotta ask you, you know, for the people watching, like what advice, you know, like for someone who watches this, what can they take away? Like what advice would you give to someone who's in your situation right now, doing what you're doing? What advice would you give to that person watching?
2: It's a great question. What advice? I, I think, I mean we've talked about it a little bit. The biggest thing that I think I've taken away and that's like helped me in my journey and in growth is what we were saying about not getting too high and too low. I think, I think that is without a doubt the people that are great in life and have success are able to stay in their zone and not be too distracted by things on the outside. Um, and not being, not being influenced by what everyone says positive or negative, because the reality is misery loves company. Like pe- miserable people will try to make other people miserable. The friends you're around, the people that impact you, you may like. I've learned, man. Like I'll go to people for advice about stuff. I'll be like, hey, you know, like I've I have this idea, and like people give you advice because they're viewing it through their lens, right? They're viewing it like they're not happy with their life, they're not making any money, they're they're upset, so like they're gonna give you ad- they're gonna give you advice through that lens instead of people love success but don't love successful people. Mm. You know what I mean? Like like. It's like a bar. people, it's a bar, people are going to want you to not be as, as, as they don't want, they want you to be successful, but not as successful or more successful than them. No. So like, I've learned, you just got to block it all out. Like you just got to do your own thing, go all in on yourself, bet on yourself. Cause like at the end of the day, no one's going to give you as good of advice as you can give yourself. Um, And just not listen to the outside noise. Cause then you can stay level headed and not get too emotional and too up and down. And, and, um and it, it, it allows you to kind of propel without getting impacted. And I think, the other thing that I, I think that really successful people have is the ability to be self-aware and like to work on self-awareness at all times. And um, it kind of goes into like emotional intelligence as well. But having great self-awareness and being self-aware, if you're not self-aware, like that you got to work on that um, is is I think another like key indicator of people that can have success, people that are good at like this stuff, like you guys clearly have it. Cause you're good at like, making people feel comfortable. Like I almost forgot we're, we got cameras on us. During this. But <laughs> I
0: don't even worry about
1: them. But, not yeah.
2: But, but I, I think uh, like, and it's not just being aware of how, of what you're thinking and your emotions, but also being aware of what other people are thinking about you and like being able to like understand that and that, and, and, you know, Have those conversations and be connected with how other people are thinking. Those that's what like great successful people have. And I think those are the two things. Like, you know, staying level heavy and not listening to ups and downs and not 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 taking advice from everybody because no one's actually gonna give you great advice. Mm -hmm. And then and then, you know, being self aware and just being able to navigate relationships and things with that with that mindset. That was an
0: amazing Answer, bro. People love success, but don't love successful people.
1: That's a bar.
2: Write terms, that a down, bar, bro. T- tell me it's wrong,
0: though. It's, it's a bar, bro. So right, <laughs> a bar. So now you about to be saying, watch. You about to say it. Watch. <laughs> he about to be around. You be he going to say it, I'm going to be like, quote <laughs> AB, man. You be hating S- on say me.
2: Say AB. Well, nah. But, I definitely stole that from someone. That's not a good. That's something. your <laughs> quote, That's your quote.
0: But um, no, uh, AB, man, you know, you my guy. We appreciate you coming on the show and just you know dropping some gems on us and the people who are viewing. Um, you know Just grateful bro Just grateful you have in my life And I hope Everyone watching Can realize how Much of an amazing Talented individual That this person is And all the things That you have accomplished And are going to accomplish So I just want to say Thank you uh, Much love And we appreciate Much love much man love, bro. We appreciate you Coming um, on here a second win bro you Guys watching man uh, People watching Guys girls man Thank you so much For tuning in uh, We're going to have Some more fire guests Coming stay tuned We're going to be Hitting the road hard uh, everyone stay safe keep those New Year's resolutions strong and you know I get the best ball fade ever but <laughs> I appreciate cur- you I got the curly <laughs> joint now you know what I'm saying I'm a little stay foreign safe. second I'm win appreciate foreign it foreign gang